You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. And welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. And so I call out first to your ancestral helping spirits and to mine. I call out to all that is good and true and beautiful in this ancestral history of humans walking this planet. And I ask these ancestors to be with us, to gather round, to lean in, and to bring us that legacy that is the collective wisdom of those who have been here before, who have made their own versions of exactly the same mistakes. And perhaps if we would listen, they could guide us away from those same mistakes again and again and help us to understand the value of standing in our practices, standing in our integrity standing in what has heart and meaning and to make those choices or let those energies motivate our choices for the future. And I ask these ancestral energies to lean in and help us have the courage to do the things that need to be done, even if they require sacrifice on our part, so that there is a world to offer to those who are coming. And as we reach out past these human ancestors with great, great gratitude for their presence in our lives, let us reach out to those ancestors, those non-human ancestors in their many, many forms and ask them to assist us in how we as human beings can do a better job being a force for transformation here on the planet. And I I falter and hesitate here today in this invocation because I am fully aware right now, though my life is beautiful here on this lovely summer day in 2019 in Oregon, that wildfires are raging in Siberia, in the Northern Hemisphere, and in much of South America in the Southern Hemisphere, and that the oceans in between are covered with plastic and it makes me wonder how the hell are we going to fix this because it is our problem to fix it doesn't really matter where it came from other than how that helps us understand what to do what matters is that we are the living we are the ones who have chosen to be here now Here now in this particular podcast is August 2019. And here we are. These are the challenges of our time. And how are we going to become actual medicine for these challenges in our time? This is the question. And so I call out to the helping spirits to assist us because I am absolutely, completely sure with every fiber in my over half a century year old being, we are not going to get out of this alone. That human beings simply are not going to do what it takes by themselves, clearly. But the way out is the way humans have always reached out for assistance to do what appears utterly and completely impossible. And that is the entire answer to why shamanism now. Because this is the way in which human beings across all time here on the face of this beautiful earth have reached out to spirit for help to understand how do I get myself out of this mess I have created because it looks to me to be impossible. And this is that point 
at which humanity has truly innovated and solved the problems that they have created and made medicine. And yet here we are today, burning and drowning. And so we call out to these energies to be with us. I call out to you and your own spirit to be with us. I invite you to inhabit your head and your heart and your belly to connect to those energies below. Connect to those energies above. Call out to those energies around you in the invisible world, in the physical world, and step into right relationship with these wise ones that can help each one of us, every single one of us. No one is more or less worthy of this assistance, that the quality of your relationship with spirit comes through your choice of how to engage. And so let's engage. And I give this enormous gratitude for all of the help that is around me, that is around you. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I give enormous gratitude to you, the listeners, who are the inspiration for the fact that this show continues over a decade of its own life. Thank you, those of you who donate financially to pay the bills and keep the show out there on the Internet free for those who can access it. And I give gratitude to all of you who do things that are in addition or other than financial to help the show to grow, to bring these teachings into your lives so that that they have a life and that they create the second and the third and the fourth generation questions that will help us who are at the beginning of bringing our shamanic practices into our contemporary lives to learn to deepen that work. So gratitude to all of you. Gratitude to Co-Creator Network. And gratitude to the Helping Spirits. All right. So today the topic is the fundamental element of lasting change. How do we begin to direct our efforts towards those things that will create lasting change? And so I am live here today with you uh, on this podcast. And you can call in if you have questions at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. And as always, you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right. So in our efforts to change or to grow or to evolve, however you think of that, some changes are lasting changes and some are not. So why is that? It isn't about how we perceive of change. Uh, For example, changes are not necessarily more lasting if we perceive of them as spiritual growth gained through the grace of spirit um, versus change that comes from good old elbow grease and hard work. Both of these things are valuable, right? But it isn't one or the other. And it isn't about hitting rock bottom. It isn't about spirit's grace or change your story, change your life. Or getting your unresolved ancestral issues out of the way. No one of these things is a sure bet that the change process you're engaged in will be lasting. It's about making an inner micro choice that can happen at rock bottom or can happen with the grace of spirit. But if that micro choice doesn't happen within you. In other words, if you don't engage the power of your will, the change will not be lasting. Uh, Changing to a positive and empowered story does not fundamentally change your life. Only the right story. And by right, I mean the story that actually engages with the you who made the original choice with a deep, heartfelt understanding of where that choice came from and how it functioned. And then the ability based on that to allow that self with your assistance to come to truly making a new choice. Not just the opposite choice, but an actual new choice 
that is based in a new state of awareness or consciousness. Okay. So the right story, again, is not about some sort of morally right or wrong or uh, some external definition of right. I mean, right as in it gets the job done, as in effective. That's the right story that we talk about here today. It must allow us to access the fulcrum point within. It is a place of actually two micro choices. We must unmake one and then make a new one. So for example, I have watched a man make the physical world changes of switching utterly to a paleo diet. And he did this to avoid surgery. And that surgical option, um, avoiding that sort of, by avoiding that surgical option, this paleo diet allowed this incredible um, healthy weight loss over time. And that was actually a side effect of the choice to go on this diet. Okay, but nonetheless, that is how the diet worked. Um, And it wasn't really a diet. It was just a new way of eating, right? So new way of eating, uh, massive weight loss over time in a very healthy way, which decreased the collective inflammation in his body and in reducing that inflammation to negligible amounts it took care of all of his other symptoms all of the other problems got dealt with again as a side effect of the side effect of this one choice and the man dropped out of this chronic pain that he had been managing literally for decades Now, this change was sustainable, and he was in this state of being for well over a year after kind of arriving there, not needing to have the surgery, feeling excited to be able to move out of this chronic pain, being able to return to all of the favorite hobbies that involved, you know, very precise use of his hands like tying flies and fly fishing, things like that. Okay. So... He's living happily ever after, change is sustainable, Um, and he has been uh, in this chronic pain for so long. This way of living was really unimaginable to him that he could actually get back here. Okay, so he lived that way for years, and you'd think this would equal lasting change. But with this removal of all of this time spent maintaining chronic pain and chasing down other related health issues, he all of a sudden had this time and this space and this healthy environment within himself that his old unresolved issues, emotional and psychological issues around basically love and power, the usual, right? became available because they were no longer covered by all these other efforts to manage this constant pain. And so these issues weren't new. This wasn't like new awareness. He knew these things were there. Just now they were really the only thing left for him to address. I mean, what else is going to arise while he's out there in that beautiful stillness, beautiful nature of fly fishing other than nature inviting him to investigate his heart, to step into the use of his power. Of course that's going to happen, right? It's no surprise. But instead of addressing these things, he returned to his old patterns with food, slowly but surely, bit by bit. He began to self-medicate again as a way to get a self-medicate against the stress of these old emotional and psychological patterns and ultimately over time returned to the same patterns of chronic pain and ultimately went under the knife and had to have the surgery. So this change was absolutely sustainable, right? But not lasting. Why? Okay, so I've watched another woman who struggled with depression for decades She did all the usual things, um, therapy, not therapy, um, 
alternative kinds of therapy, not therapy, medication, not medication. And um, her desire really to try anything to get out of this depression brought her to shamanism, which brought her into my sphere of awareness. Um, And she had many soul retrievals and other forms of shamanic healing, began working really beautifully with her own helping spirits. And yet all of this didn't really seem to change her fundamental issue. And then one day she arrived at a class that she would never have considered taking before with me, class with me. She would have never considered taking before. And I asked her how she was and she said she was great. And, and I asked about, I really didn't think you would be interested in this class. And she said, no, I I wouldn't have been when I was depressed, but I decided I didn't want to be depressed anymore. So I stopped. And now I need to find things to do with my time. So what is going on in this story? Because this choice against all expectations became a lasting change. Why is that? Because believe me, with this story, I am not saying your depression is just a choice. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that all of the other things she had done became successful in moving her into lasting change when she made a particular choice. That all was pivoting around a choice. And once she made that choice, all of the other many things that she had done, shamanic and otherwise, came to bear and, and, and were able to, in a sense, flow in and support her in this choice to no longer be living her life in the, this depression pattern that she was in. So what's going on here? I mean, I, 30 years of practice, I could spend the day sharing these kinds of stories where a person does absolutely everything and should get lasting change, but they don't. A person appears to do what shouldn't work, and it does. So what is going on? And from my perspective, the reason we need to explore this is because we need our efforts to create lasting change now. And we actually know enough about creating change and transformation in human beings to do that. Because the world needs us to do a better job of being humans. The world needs us to move our efforts into the realm of creating lasting change, not just new versions of the same old problems. And so my point really is that almost anything that is a time-tested, decent process for transformation in our physical self or in our emotional self, in our mental self or in our spiritual self, right? Any time-tested process can create lasting change. The point of this podcast is not you have to do shamanism to create lasting change. That is not my point. That there are beautiful processes out there that serve the change necessary in any of the four wisdom bodies and all of the four wisdom bodies. Okay. Um, The issue we're facing is that often all of these processes don't succeed. Any one of these processes doesn't succeed. So they can, but they don't always. So why? What is it about how we engage in these processes that would allow us to create change? Now, some of you are saying, well, people haven't hit rock bottom yet. Well, not necessarily. Rock bottom does not necessarily do it for people. Some are saying, well, you need to get your soul back and you need your soul parts back because that's the key to lasting change. Well, not always. Some say it's the grace of spirit that is the key to lasting change that we we give over to God and we have faith and that faith allows us to create lasting change because we cannot do it on our own. Now, while I would basically 
agree that faith is essential in any transformation process. And as I've already said in the show, in the invocation, I don't actually think we as humans do it alone. However, that alone is not enough to create lasting change. Because I see many, many people that are deeply devout in their faith within their religious or spiritual structure. And they continue to suffer exactly the same way day after day after day after day. So faith is not enough either. That whole change your story, change your life is works, but it isn't always what you need for lasting change. Because what the story is matters. How you change the story matters. You can't just choose a relentlessly positive version of the story and expect that to create lasting change. Because, frankly, relentless positivity really just makes you a fundamentalist. Okay, so what gives? What's the deal? All right, so let's talk a little bit about mechanics. Because in spite of all of the weirdness that is humans, and it is weird in here, being a human, granted, we still live in an energetic world that follows principles. Principles that are both um, direct sort of cause and effect in the aspects of our lives that are more physical worldy and things that are more like crazy out there, mathematics, quantum physics, which things that are more soul and spirit like and that our experience as a human crosses this entire range. What allows us to create lasting change hits points in this whole range right because that's part of the fascinating experience of being a human okay so let's talk though about the mechanics because this is a piece avoiding understanding the mechanics of how your free will works will be your downfall paying attention to how your free will actually works will be the secret to your ability to create lasting change in your life, regardless of what arena you choose to do it in, whether it's shamanic or religious or purely physical or whatever. If you can track and pay attention to your use of your free will and understand those energetic principles, you'll be good. Now, do not Google free will. Not helpful. Right? It gets into all of these complex and convoluted and utterly Byzantine descriptions about free will as it's understood in various and sundry religious contexts. Not helpful. I'm talking brass tacks, you're a human here in the physical world that also is an invisible world and how that free will works without getting into any special dynamics about what beings created by what main godlike deity gave what free will to whom not helpful okay bottom line is human being manifestation machine you have free will it's always operating you either use it consciously or you're using it unconsciously there is no off button so given that now what okay so mechanics let's talk a little bit about mechanics we're going to talk about pivots and fulcrums and i completely just rob this information off the internet so googling these things will be helpful okay so a pivot is a thing on which something turns right so the pivot is a thing on which something else turns so specifically it's a metal point or perhaps a shaft around which something either hinges or turns okay one definition of fulcrum relative to pivot is that the fulcrum is the support about which the lever pivots okay so the fulcrum one one definition of fulcrum is it's the support of the pivot okay and one definition now another definition is that the pivot is the thing you know so it's a short lever or a point or a link but it is the thing around which the thing the actual thing around which something rotates or hinges 
right? The fulcrum can also be described as the point about which the pivot or link rotates, as in the imaginary point, so the action, the function of the pivot. So it's the, in a sense, the idea of it. So it can be both the context, the structure in which the pivot exists, but also that uh, sweet spot or that essence, the, the idea of the point around which it pivots. Okay, so what's happening when we create the experience of change that ends up being temporary is we get to, through our process, whatever process it might be, we get to the pivot point when we get, we just get there and we use it. And so the pivot is over to the left and we flip the hinge to the right. The pivot is here and we spin it to there. So basically we get at the energy that is important and we just use the pivot as it's designed. All right. Now that creates temporary change. So we have this initial rush of change, an initial high, um, an initial excitement about things looking different from that perspective, but the change is not sustainable over time. Okay. So to create lasting change, we need to get to the same pivot point. It's not that the pivot point is wrong. It's just the pivot point isn't the point, although it is the marker on the inner map. Okay, so we need to get to the pivot point and then stay there. We can't be so uncomfortable getting at the root of whatever the problem is that we just basically do a, a drive-by, right? We go in, we get to that pivot point, we slam it to the other side or rotate it around and get the hell out of there because it's really emotionally uncomfortable or psychologically uncomfortable to be there. Okay, so what lasting change requires is that we grow up a little bit and we're willing to be in our own discomfort. And so we get to that pivot point and we stay there. We need to explore. We need to understand the fulcrum as well as the pivot. And we need to understand both definitions of the fulcrum. We need to address how and why of the pivot so that we can remove it as the pivot point and then make the new choice. So in other words, pivoting around a pivot point, which goes from one choice to another, creates the sensation of having made a new choice and the sensationalized experience it, experience of something being temporarily different. But that ultimately, the pivot remains in the structure of the fulcrum, and it remains with its same why. So it's still there performing its function. So like the man uh, with the paleo diet, ultimately, he flipped the pivot, the switch back right into its original position and went right back to the same patterns and ultimately got to the same result again, which is your only option now is to have surgery. Okay. Now he could have flipped it back, gone back on the paleo diet and set the whole thing in motion again, but it would have been again, a sustainable change, but not lasting because he's not doing the steps for lasting change, which is being in the discomfort and exploring the fulcrum, how the pivot works, the structure of it, and why that actual elusive imaginary place of why the pivot pivots things. And not generically why, but personally for that part of yourself that is the pivot point, why? And that's why scripted transformation is rarely lasting change because the whys are very, very personal. That is the imaginary piece. So that is the piece that is unique to the internal experience of the person. 
the structure is a bit more transpersonal. It's a bit more shared. It's a bit easier to understand the structure of someone's pivot point. Like most of us have the ability to understand why feeling abandoned by a parent is a problem. That's, that's the kind of context, it's the environment that creates the structure or the fulcrum of that pivot point. But it doesn't explain why that child, for example, made the particular choice that they made, how they understood it functioning and why it continues to function that way. Because that aspect of our own inner genius is ours. It's our genius. It's our weirdness. It's our crazy logic of how we cobbled together how we survived it is poetry it is beauty and it is madness and your willingness to be with it and understand it on its own terms is the secret to creating lasting change no matter what process you're actually in. And any process, when it's creating lasting change, is taking you to this place within you and allowing you to do these things. Okay, so, in summary, so working this pivot, just as a pivot, you know, finding that pivot point, that moment at which... Um, there was soul loss or this part of yourself got marginalized and or you felt traumatized or however you would describe that experience, but that moment that created the pivot, right? So it moves back and forth. That's what pivots do, right? So that can either be ping-ponging kind of back and forth between two extremes or two very polarized perspectives, and certain environments with certain kinds of parents or certain kinds of school systems, certain kinds of environments in the, the town or the city that you grew up in can create very polarized perspectives about things, big extremes. Or pivot can also be um, more like a seesaw. I'm afraid that might be a very American reference. It's a, it's, um, you see it in acrobatics or kids' playgrounds where you have essentially a plank the kid on either end and it's up on a fulcrum basically and they go up and down and up and down either side seesaw right the picture would be worth a thousand words right here right now but anyway my point is this can also describe why you tend to go through highs and lows or you're seesawing around that pivot point up and down and up and down right versus back and forth between different perspectives the point is we're just moving around in different patterned personal states that we have shaped around different positions of our inner pivots. But moving the pivot is a temporary change and a temporary relief from the other position, but it's ultimately no more freeing from the fundamental problem that this early choice is still being made. Okay, so the fulcrum is this structure that supports that pivot and why that pivot point is what it is within you. Why you continue to rotate around that memory, that past time in your life, that attitude or perspective. Why do you keep circling around that? Okay, so... Exploring the fulcrum then tells us two things, the structure or the context, the environment, the beliefs upon which a particular pivot draws its power. Okay, so that's one thing. That's what the structure gives us of the fulcrum. Um, the fulcrum in terms of the fulcrum as the imaginary point, right? So an imaginary point, just for those of you who are going, what the hell is she talking about? So in other words, when you say the average German does blah, 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 nobody does that. No Germans do that. Average is a mathematical uh, expression, right? An average is not a real person. It's a mathematical expression of a possible human, right? And so it's imaginary, like average, you know, we talk about the average person does blah, blah, blah all the time. 
that's an imaginary number. So this is, this is what they mean by the fulcrum also being this imaginary point, right? And so back to what I was saying. So the fulcrum is both the structure, but it's also the why this point matters. That's the imaginary piece. This is the function the child imagined would happen or what it did with the power. So for example, for children, there is a developmental stage which for many children is for many children is a long time and in that developmental stage there is the sense that everything pivots around me and so i am responsible for my mother's health and well-being my father's health and well-being the survival of everyone i love and care about now this is completely ridiculous from an adult perspective but it is the way the child sees it from that developmental time that they are kind of the center of everything and, and responsible for everything. Okay, so that gives the pivots, the choices made at that time, a particular kind of function that only makes sense. So this imaginary aspect of the fulcrum, it only makes sense when seen through the eyes of the you who made the choice at that time. It doesn't make any sense seen through the eyes of the contemporary person who's working so hard to try to create lasting change. Okay. So now this whole fulcrum pivot thing is actually starting to get a little too complicated instead of simplifying things. But I'm working up to being able to say to you the solution is simple and accessible to everyone. I mean, I'm getting there. Okay. But let me make this point. The point is that it isn't enough to find the pivot point of your issues and just go the other way. For example, discovering through your process, whatever your process is, that as a child I learned I wasn't worthy of my parents' love, so I will choose now as a contemporary person to work on self-love or self-worth. That doesn't work. That's the point of what I'm saying is that doesn't work. That what we need to do is to find the actual aspect of ourself from the past who literally felt the unworthy and the unlovable and they may be two different selves and then we need to move into their discomfort from their perspective and understand the environment they felt they were in at that time and how they saw it from their developmental perspective that's the structure, the conditions, the environment and the belief network around which the fulcrum of your pivot point got created. And you need to understand that or you can't change it fundamentally for lasting change. Then we need to uh, stay with that self that made the choice, you know, that self that is really at the pivot to understand through their own eyes the the choice that they made from the sense of not morality or intelligence or development, but the function of it. What do they feel they accomplished by doing it? What was the function? Um, and because that pivot, which is the choice a you is still making, is still performing that function. And it is that function that is going to keep drawing you back into the temporary change, right? So we have to be able to understand all of that to be able to dismantle, to unchoose the pivot, but to understand the structure and imagination around that pivot and unchoose it and assist that self in a new choice. So it is both undoing the old choice and making the new choice. And again, in a way that is not just flipping the switch of the pivot, which can also feel like old choice, new choice, but it is not actual old choice, new choice, because it has not undermined the very structure of the pivot itself. Okay, so what's my point in all this? That the art of this fulcrum pivot exploration I've been describing at great length here in this podcast is at the very root of why you would bother to work on your energy body hygiene. 
because all of these pivots and fulcrums live, literally manifest in the energy of your energy body, which is not purely your soul spirit energy and is not purely your physical body, but it is the energy body that gets created when a soul incarnates in a physical human form. It creates an energy body which can be cultivated and tended well and um, be a very healthy system or it can be unknown or ignored or undermined by our choices and can be a very unhealthy system. And so the, the podcasts in the archives are the energy body hygiene series and there are a lot there are challenges in that series about grounding and things like that which people have really loved and have really used well to change their life they've also asked for more and because of this i created energy body mastery which is a seven week online course that runs once a year as long as people are signing up to take it all right. So before you get cranky with me about using this podcast for self-promotion, please understand there is an archive in the Why Shamanism Now website of over 450 hours of free podcasts. And they are just about all based on this one single idea, how to create lasting change. And until now, all I could do is tell you about it. So for a global audience that was never going to be able to get itself to Oregon or even to the United States to take classes with me, all I could do was dangle out this answer, right, just beyond their reach and leave it there. And admittedly, that situation kind of sucks. So, yes – this is self-promotion. Energy Body Mastery starts in a week on September 3rd, 2019. Absolutely. That is part of the point of this podcast here today. I'm utterly transparent about it. And this whole network, this whole sequence of online, live online classes is actually designed for you, the podcast listening audience, so that I no longer have to dangle what you need out in front of you, just out of your reach, and leave it there. So Energy Body Mastery registration is open right now. So this is August 2019, August something, rather 20-something. This class begins September 3rd. It is Tuesday nights for seven weeks. That is all. Everything is recorded, so you don't even have to attend live. Okay? You can go to Energy Body mastery.com and register and once you register and pay for the course in full you are welcome to retake this course as many times as you choose to now in the context of today's show creating lasting change again full transparency this course energy body mastery is the prerequisite for basic energy body clearing which is the next step in this art that I'm talking about, about moving into your inner energy body landscape, finding the pivots and then exploring the fulcrum, dismantling the fulcrum and the pivot and being able to make a new choice and being able to do that within any other process That is the way that you like doing your spiritual life. I mean, whether it's a meditation-based process or a physical yoga qigong-based process, whether it's a shamanic process, whether it's a psychological process or a Jungian um, analyst process, dream interpretation process, art process, five rhythms dance process, it does not matter what your process is. They're all awesome and None of them, including shamanism, guarantee lasting change. But if you can bring this piece that I'm talking about here today, you know, have your own ownership of it. I know how to do this thing. I can get at my pivots. I can explore the fulcrum. I can dismantle those things and I can make a new change. That is the new change I need to make to undermine this pattern utterly and create lasting change in my life. And then I use my whatever, whatever your thing is. 
right? Your meditation or your Qigong or your five rhythms dance or your dream interpretation, whatever it is, you use that then to keep unfolding and exploring and moving into what that lasting change can be for you as a new foundation in your life. So this is the point of today's show is that this unit of fundamental unit of of choice that allows anything to turn into lasting change is available for you no matter who you are because it's not tied into any of these other systems it's not tied into whether you think you're you're mostly a mind person or mostly a kinesthetic person or you're a super sensitive person or you feel like you're not sensitive at all it 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 doesn't matter that this is a human capacity and that there are ways that every different kind of person can learn to come to this place within themselves and make this kind of change. All right. So, so let's talk a little bit about this idea of these different forms of healing being able to create lasting change. Um, So therapy is really important because without an understanding of how your mind is working, your mind will work you. And there are some people's minds that are really running them into the ground right now, right? And so what is really the difference between therapeutic processes or potentially different therapists? that allows working with them to become lasting change versus a kind of a band-aid or just simply behavior modification, things that allow you to create a change, you then have to work very hard to sustain. In other words, the change is not in its own nature lasting, but it is an effort. It's a bit like... Um, we would imagine an alcoholic who is on the wagon and doesn't really want to be there. And so they're just kind of white knuckling it on the wagon, trying to stay on the wagon, but not really exploring and coming to understand how they got there, how to move out of that place where self-medicating through alcohol is really their only option. Right, so lasting change. All right, so what happens in any many many different schools or models of therapy, or frankly, just different therapists, is that they find a way to bring you to that place in the story, whatever your story is, where current time you is able to be with some past time you um, and explore how that pastime you made the choice that it made, why it made that choice, what beliefs support that choice. So in other words, you're at the pivot and you're exploring the structure of the fulcrum and ultimately from the perspective of the current time person, helping the pastime you make a new choice that uh, resolves the old function. So if the old function was protection, I as the current time person am able to demonstrate now that I'm able to protect myself in a way I wasn't able to when I was five, things like that. And it can take time to do that via therapy, but with good processes or perhaps simply good therapists, you can do that. If you don't ever get there to that and you just keep cycling through different versions of the same story, you're not going to get to lasting change. And so this can be the challenge with moving therapeutic processes into being pharmaceutical processes is there is not necessarily this exploration of the pivot and the fulcrum. There's just numbing out the fact that the pivot and the fulcrum exist at all. And as a way to gain a baseline so you can begin to work on pivots and fulcrums. Pharmaceuticals are fine, but as a way to avoid ever dealing with your pivots and fulcrums, not so helpful. If your goal is to create lasting change, 
Okay. Now, this this issue just described becomes critically important as the arena of trauma therapy develops. You know, it's in its early stages as a as a focus of therapy, and it is developing. The important thing uh, where where I have seen it go wrong in people participating in it is where it protects. The pivot from from exploration, um, so you don't get to explore the discomfort and the fulcrum and the change that needs to be made, because part of the tenet of some people's application of trauma therapy is that that little pivot point traumatized self is somehow sacred and must never be touched again, because that would be to re-traumatize that self. Well, if you really want lasting change, you just can't believe that because it will keep you from ever sitting in the discomfort and helping that part of yourself that's definitely in the discomfort out. And so for those of you that are in trauma therapy, keep that in mind that your job as the current time self is to rescue the little yous that are in the trauma, not to avoid them and keep them there and to to have a constant, almost neurotic need to not touch back into that discomfort in measured and dealable, deal withable ways is to make sure lasting change doesn't happen because you've got to get at the fulcrum and the pivot. Okay. And so this is why um, – psychotropic or sort of assisted therapy there are many different um, plant medicines and and the active ingredients of plant medicines being used in in assisted therapy and this is part of the reason that it is effective particularly for trauma or or dealing with traumatic traumatic issues for some like facing untimely death The reason is because the nature of the plant medicine or the active ingredient chemical is that it moves you to a place where the fulcrum is obvious. The structure of the pivot point is obvious. The pivot's relationship to you, to your world, to your past, to your future, you you move out of space and time in such a way that you gain context, you gain understanding of the imaginary, the the way in which the pivot functions, that imaginary pivot quality that is the other part of the fulcrum. And so that's really in a sense why it works because it takes you into that place with that change of perspective that allows you not to just be flipping the pivot but exploring, oh, deeply moving into the why of it all. What in the world was I thinking? How did I see the world? What, con- what sense does this make in some sort of larger context of where I have been and where I am going? So these are the kinds of awarenesses that we access when we're accessing these, this kind of chemistry, which then can put these, uh, the energy of the pivot and the fulcrum into perspective. We can make, unmake the old choice, make the new choice, and create lasting change. And so this, of course, then easily is the explanation for why those of you that are embarking in um, plant medicine ceremonies are also at times experiencing lasting change because it is, again, the nature of the, the psychotropic nature of the plant medicines allows you to revisit And the wisdom, I mean, if we speak shamanically, the wisdom of the plant itself takes you to pivots and fulcrums you need to look at. But the point is, takes you there. And then the nature of that experience is to to experience things in a greater context, to see things outside of the normal relational structure that you see things in, to see it differently, to understand those choices made in that old way to dismantle the structure or the the fulcrum structure, dismantle the pivot point itself, and to to make a new choice around the function, to choose 
either to not need to perform that function anymore, which is sometimes true. I mean, we're not children anymore, or to make perform that function in a new way or to let go of an old and frankly dysfunctional belief and to bring in a new belief. So one of the example would be with plant medicines, having such a profound experience of the oneness that you're able to begin to support your, your mind is able to support your current self desire to really believe in the oneness and experience the oneness in everyday life and to begin to move away from the lie of separation that is so debilitating and so often part of the belief system structure of our fulcrums. Okay. So, um, I think this is probably enough examples as to why these things work. This is true. Same thing is true for physical forms, you know, Qigong, uh, dance forms, uh, yoga forms, true for meditation forms. They work if they allow you to come to the place of pivots, explore the fulcrums, dismantle the old internal structure and make a new choice. Okay, with shamanic healing, um, same thing is true. People can receive soul parts back and reject the new context that energy brings, maintain their old status quo, and move forward in a way that is better from the fact that the soul part is back, that it is that, in other words, enjoying the initial rush of the change of soul parts coming back. And after that tapers off, after the first couple of weeks, not moving in to the rest of the change that's available to us when soul parts come back by exploring the, the particular fulcrum and pivot energetics that are always a part of any individual soul retrieval. Okay, so all of this, you get my point. I'm not going to continue with all the other entire huge list of examples that I have here because I want to get to my final offering here today and why I believe it is so important for us as human beings to do just these two things, take energy body mastery and maintain the health and well-being of our energy body and take basic energy body clearing. Because those two things, which is 14 weeks, that's all, out of the whole rest of your life, 14 weeks to entirely change the way you are engaging with yourself and with the world. It gives you literally what you need to move from being a reactive person to being a responsive person. It gives you the entire skill set you need to turn any process into a process that creates lasting change. And this is what I would love uh, you know, if the world could wake up tomorrow with one new thing, I wish humanity could wake up with that. Okay, and this is the reason. Love is critically important. It is the one true power. It is, you know, because true power is mediated in our hearts. I absolutely believe this. I know this. My prayers are to this every morning. And love is not the only answer at pivots and fulcrums. Many people interpret, you know, love is the answer like a sledgehammer. And in their personal processes, they arrive at the pivot and the fulcrum and they just begin to beat it to shreds with the sledgehammer of love. And that lacks compassion. It lacks curiosity. It lacks a deep understanding. It lacks a willingness to be with our pivot points, which are all parts of ourself from the past on their own terms, to see them as they see themselves, to hear them as they want to be heard, and to help them to dismantle the choice that they are essentially um, given the responsibility of maintaining and to just love them for doing that doesn't change it. Giving them what they need changes it. 
a letting finding out a way to remove the responsibility they believe they are carrying so they no longer need to perform that function frees them up to feel the love that you have for them but believing love is always what you believe at the forefront like a big snowplow of love runs over pivots and fulcrums and it actually diminishes our understanding of the true power of love which is to accept things as they are to be with them in that discomfort and invite them to move towards that love that is possible and so I leave you with this thought what is necessary to create lasting change and transformation. I invite you to join me for Energy Body Mastery starting September 3rd, 2019. Registration is open. Just type in energybodymastery.com and you can register. I give gratitude for the ancestors in all their forms, human and other, that circle around us, for the earth below, the sky above, the heart that unites us all, and that profound ability in our hearts to create lasting change. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.